Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about Syracuse's big win over Louisville and a look ahead to Connecticut. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is our great friend and former Syracuse defensive lineman, Tyler Morona. Tyler, how are you today? Doing good, man. I, is, it, is it Saturday afternoon yet? Because I'm ready to get going. <laughs> yeah, well, before we get to next Saturday, let's talk about the Saturday that just happened, and we'll get you started on this one. Syracuse defeated Louisville 31-7. I thought the final result was about as good as you could hope for. What were your thoughts from the win? Well, I mean, as a former defender, this is the type of win that, for me, sets the tone for the rest of the season. And um, it was just so refreshing to see our defense have be a full strength and then also be complemented by an offense that was scoring points. Because there's so many times in the last couple of years where you'd see our defense having a heroic performance and have three to seven points or three to 12 points. And it was just so frustrating because we've had a top 25 defense for years on end and couldn't complement them with points. So the fact that we could get a lead and then just bury this Louisville team, I don't think that there's a better feeling than that as far as being a, um, a defender and, and a, you know, just a strong supporter of the orange. Tyler, you're a former Syracuse defensive lineman, and I want to get your take on how the front three played. They came in pretty inexperienced having graduated their top five guys from last year, but I thought they played well and harassed Malik Cunningham all game. What did you think of their performance? So I guess from the post game with Coach Babers, he was saying that they finally kind of adopted a new look to go after this mobile quarterback, and especially one like Malik Cunningham, which is really interesting um, to hear because it, it sounds like to me that they finally have a defense that they feel comfortable with that can kind of grow and adapt these more exotic schemes. And what that tells me is that whether the defensive line was quote unquote ready or not before the season, they were still executing. And, and at that, they, they shined. I mean, there was multiple instances where Steve Linton um, is just in the backfield getting sacks and then the linebackers are complimenting, um, the second level, the third level's complimenting with guys coming up and filling the hole. Sure, there was one misplay that resulted in a touchdown, but in today's um, NCAA and Division One Power Five, to only have seven points get put up on you. And in all reality, like we took it to this team. So um, I don't know what it means moving forward, but it's a pretty good indication, I would I would imagine, right? Yeah, I would say that's a pretty encouraging performance. But, you know, the win didn't come without a cost. Syracuse lost linebacker Stephon Thompson for the year. First, how big of a loss was that for Syracuse? And second, what did you think of his replacement, Derek McDonald? Well, it's, I don't – I mean, Derek McDonald, he had – I mean, for – to be his first game, more or less, I mean, that was probably the best game that you could have had for a fill-in for Stephon Thompson. Those are the type of guys that you don't replace. You just hope that you can duplicate some of the the – performance or the the production that a guy like that gives you because those three linebackers are obviously going to be the strength of this team I would say maybe outside of the Garrett Williams or a, a Deuce Chestnut but 
Um, to lose a guy like that, what's nice about having a McDonald in the mix now is he gets to now be supported by guys that are well above his, you know, his, more likely his skill level, and it rises all tides. And you saw the benefit of that happening is that a guy just being in a spot, not having to worry about much because he's picked up by 10 other guys around him, all of a sudden puts him in a place to go perform and perform very well. So obviously we have the athleticism. We have the ability to replace a guy, but um, it doesn't mean that we're just going to all of a sudden be just as good without Stephon Thompson. It's, it's a brutal loss, but the good news is that Coach confirmed this morning is that he'll be coming back next year and more than likely ready to play. It's just what a blow it is for this season. Tyler, you brought up the name Steve Linton a little while ago. I thought he played great, but the thing was, he wasn't on the two-deep chart heading into the Louisville game. And even after his performance against Louisville, he's still not on the depth chart heading into Connecticut. Why don't we see him on that two-deep? At this point, I think it's just like, it's a dummy game. Like, I don't think that, I mean, he obviously plays, and he's one of our best players, or he was in this past game. So, And I've been a part of multiple D-line groups that have had um, up to eight guys rotating very, very frequently, and so, or potentially up to 10 guys rotating very, very frequently. So that doesn't leave itself, especially with six defensive linemen now with this 3-3-5 three, three, setting. So two deeps would only be six guys. So if we're rotating seven to eight guys routinely, that would leave them off. But I don't think that he is not worthy of playing, obviously. I just don't know what's going on, to be honest with you. I mean, it's kind of kind of a joke to me that he's not um, based off of his performance. So um, that would only lead me to believe that they're, they're doing something, you know, just they're thinking differently or I don't know what's going on there, to be honest with you. Don't don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll leave it at that. And you touched on this in your first answer, that offense under new offensive coordinator Robert and I look great. Garrett Schrader looked like a whole new man running it. How did you like the new look offense? That is unbelievable. I think the biggest thing is that, and somebody posted a graphic online that was the difference of Garrett Schrader's throwing ability from last year to this year. And what it looked like to me was that the offensive line just wasn't all the way up on his front foot when he's going to throw a pass. And why that's important is all the guys that are really, really good passers, they're able to plant their feet and deliver a throw with set feet. And Garrett was not allowed to do that last year, just based off of timing and not having a good scheme behind them. What Anai and Beck have been doing is opening up the ability for Schrader to have time to throw the football. It doesn't mean that the receivers were going to catch it a la Saturday night, but um, (laughs) – Guys are open, and once we have guys open, we see that Syracuse has a very good history of recruiting guys that are good ball carriers, whether it be on the uh, the outside or whether it be in the backfield or getting a guy like Sean Tucker out from the backfield and catching a screen pass and taking it to the house. But um, the one thing I noticed is that Schrader was able to make, you know, have a second to look, take that second second to deliver, and by the third second, there's still no defensive line in its face. What does that mean? Our offensive line is protecting him. And that's something that's going to be, you know, critical from here on out moving forward. And that's going to be the driver of, you know, what the success of this offense looks like, in my opinion. So it's just extremely encouraging. We got the NFL talent, I believe, on that side of the ball for the first time in a long time. And not to mention, you know, all of, on, on the defensive side, too. And Tyler, we'll get you out of here on this one. I generally have you on in the preseason to give your predictions on how the year will go. But the question is certainly valid, especially now that we have some game film. So how do you see the rest of the season playing out? You know, that's a great question. I was I was thinking about this one more so than anything else is because I'm I'm not a complete 180 from where I was at. This was the, the year that 
I put the the least amount of focus and attention on Syracuse football from from a whistle to whistle. And what I mean by that is from the last whistle of last season to the first one of this season, I really didn't want to invest too much of my time, energy, and, and heart into potentially being, you know, let down again with the same record. And I just don't think that this team is going to take that that record as their, you know, as an answer. You know, they're not taking no for an answer this year. And it's stepped up with Louisville. And, and so um, I think there's a really, really good chance that we start closer to – um, you know, six and zero, honestly, than than it is that we 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 lose more than six games. So, um, I don't, I really don't know. I, I'm encouraged. I think that this team has the ability to take it to anybody. I think that we can go get an upset win. Um, you know, absolutely, we technically did, but you know, it remains to be seen how good Louisville is the rest of the year. But more so than anything else, I think I'm going to go into every Saturday this year excited for the opportunity that I believe that we can win. It's been so many years since it's been that um, been that way. And now with the next couple of weeks, knowing that we probably will win, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for a 5-0 start or something close to that. And then, you know, we just kind of see how conference goes from there. Tyler, thanks so much for coming back on the program again. Former Syracuse defensive end, Tyler Morona. Tyler, we appreciate the time as always. Love the insight. Enjoy the college football season. We'll speak with you soon. It is my pleasure, Wes. Always, always a privilege to talk to you as well. Tyler Morona is certainly one of my favorite guests to have on the program. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, it wasn't the final result that anyone expected, especially in Vegas where Louisville was favored by four and a half, but Syracuse routed the Cardinals on Saturday 31-7 in front of an electric crowd at the JMA Wireless Dome. What were your main takeaways from the game? Well, first off, Wes, I expected it. In my preseason prediction article, game by game, I had Syracuse coming out strong to win this game, and that's exactly what happened. A couple of things that really stood out to me. Let's start with Getting the football first. I'm a big proponent with Syracuse's new offensive philosophy that even if they win the coin toss, take the football. And in this case, Louisville won the toss, deferred to the second half. So Syracuse got the opening kickoff. It wasn't the best result. That, of course, would have been a touchdown. But they did get three points on an Andre Schmidt field goal to take the early lead. And I think that really set the tone right there, getting the opening kickoff, going down the field with this new offense and getting points on the board. So that really stood out to me as, as a positive. Uh, and I think Syracuse should consider that in the future. I know the defense, of course, was great against the Cardinals and holding uh, Malik Cunningham and Louisville to only seven points. But I'm really a big proponent with this new offense, getting the ball, getting down the, the field, scoring points, and making a statement. So that's hope, hopefully something that the coaching staff will consider moving forward. Then uh, about the defense, wow, it was just simply awesome and really good to see uh, the reserves playing in this game, the team starting to develop depth. On the offensive uh, side, of course, you know, it, there were a couple of injuries there and, and the wide receivers were, were shuffling in and out and uh, they had to even play a backup quarterback, uh, Dario Wilson, as uh, Garrett Schrader went out with his helmet coming off. But defensively also was really encouraged to see that nine different players saw action on that side of the ball and up front which was the big question mark the defensive line going into the season I thought really held their own and played a great game and getting rotation with again seven players uh, on the defensive front that's really important 
Uh, of course, the penalties were the down note in this game. And we've talked about it. How many seasons now, Wes? Three or four? I've always said each year penalties are on the head coach. That's on Dino Babers. They've got to clean that up because self-inflicted wounds are going to really hurt down the road against ACC competition and out-of-conference games against Purdue and Notre Dame. Really have to clean that up. I mean, offsides on a kickoff, that's almost unheard of. And, you know, I can understand for the first game some communication issues, again, with the new offensive uh, play calling, the, the new signals, uh, the, the different formations, et cetera. But that's something that's really got to be cleaned up. Uh, and then what can you say? Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader, they're going to be the headliners all year. They're just fantastic players, really going to find uh, their way here in the offense this season. And I think you have to go back, Wes, and say that, Syracuse is a great beneficiary of the fact that Bronco Mendenhall decided to retire at Virginia, and you could get such a high-quality offensive coordinator as Robert and I and quarterbacks coach Jason Beck to join Dino Baber's staff. Great win, great way to start the season, and really time now to build on that momentum. Brad, so let's talk about building on that momentum. Syracuse travels to play UConn on Saturday. What should we be looking for in this game? Well, I don't expect to be a, an instant repeat of what happened against Louisville. First road game of the year. Connecticut's going to be primed uh, in its second home game after defeating Central Connecticut last week pretty easily. A couple things stand out to me about UConn. Uh, first of all, they've been running the football in their first two games, a loss at Utah State, then the aforementioned win over Central Connecticut, uh, 245 yards and 274 yards. So they're going to look to run the football. And Syracuse you know, was great against the run uh, for the most part against Louisville. The other thing that jumps out about Connecticut is they had three turnovers in each of their first two games of the year. So that's something that the Syracuse defense forcing three turnovers against Louisville is going to be looking to do in this game against the Huskies. I think UConn's you know, in, in much better shape with head coach Jim Moore stepping in now. They certainly don't have the talent level uh, from the starters to the second and third stringers as Syracuse does. They've struggled to win games the last couple of years. So I think Syracuse, for my preseason predictions, is going to win it, but it may take until the fourth quarter, 35-21. to 21. And if indeed Syracuse does win to go to 2-0 and West, it'll be the first time since the 2018 bowl season when that team got off to a 4-0 and start, and games that year were against Western Michigan, Wagner, Florida State, and Connecticut. So there's Connecticut on this year's schedule as well. Wagner coming up in a couple of weeks. And uh, interesting note, Wes, no Syracuse team has won more than four straight games since the 2001 team won eight in a row. So let's see if Syracuse can take one game at a time, get this first road win, and get to 2-0 on the season for the first time since 2018. And Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Well, Wes, while it was a great week for current Syracuse head coach Dino Babers, it was not a good week for his predecessor, Scott Schaefer. The defensive coordinator at Middle Tennessee State, the Blue Raiders had the inevitable task of having to travel to James Madison in Harrisonburg, Virginia last week as JMU, a perennial FCS contender, made its FBS debut and walloped Middle Tennessee State 44-7. to And Scott Schaefer's defensive unit gave up 548 yards in that loss. Ouch. 
Brad, my closing thoughts are on former Syracuse wide receiver Taj Harris. Harris transferred to Rutgers in the offseason and had a lackluster debut for the Scarlet Knights. He caught just one pass for nine yards in a 22-21 win over Boston College and on Monday announced that he was stepping away from football for personal reasons. There's no doubt that Harris was one of the most talented receivers to come through Syracuse in recent memory, but Rutgers is now the third college team he's left in the past year, and it makes you wonder if he'll find his way back to college football again. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that this podcast is brought to you by Raising Your Voice. It's the next best thing to being right. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.